Welcome all to another fun-filled episode of Mostly AV with our host, Michelle Lorette, David Williams, and myself, Jerry G. And now, let's get to the show where we'll discuss all sorts of topics related to AV, and some maybe not so much. So let's have fun. And what? And other stuff. <laughs> Just whatever, all right. whatever suits us, whatever See, strikes our fans. We're we're whatever gets out, near That's the right. subject, we'll, we'll attack it. We're not We've afraid. been receiving a lot, of, about, a lot of complaints about our intros. <laughs> <laughs> well, Rick, it's baby steps, people. Thank baby you. Exactly. It's a journey. Uh, Thank you for coming with us. Welcome to Season 1, Episode 3, called The AV Career. Built in... I'm sorry. I can't read my own handwriting. We'll edit that out later. You should have been a doctor. <laughs> Bait and switch Bait is and the topic. Switch, How right. some of us were were uh, brought into AV because we thought it would be so much fun. And it is. It's a blast. So I, I don't know what that topic means. Well, I, I, I think it means that you, you, <laughs> you all, I can tell you, a lot of us, a lot of people I know, including you, yourself and me, and we started off in a, trying to mold our career to be some. To be more of a music-based uh, recording-style career, and just due to where technology and life, and we ended up finding that uh, the consistency came out of commercial AV. Yeah, you know, you can't, you know, it's, it's, yeah, you can gamble it, you know, follow a music career, whatever, but that you're not going to make a living off right. of it. Realistically, so granted, some of us have been lucky enough to. At one time in your yeah. life. At one time in our life to pursue. You did. You know, yeah. That's a feast or famine kind of a It's a feast or famine. And it's also a huge how much you know, luck thing. Yes. You, know, you can't guarantee that if you go to your school, your, your recording schools and that kind of stuff, that you're going to have a recording career. That's right. But, you know, you have to do work hard. And at, at the end of the day, you got to feed your family and you got to pay your rent, your electricity. That's right. And that kind of stuff. And that came from, you know, ending up in a company where thought might have led to one thing but actually turned out to be commercial av that's right I, I learned the hard way the difference between a recording engineer you know the average guy not like your guy that's recording the Foo fighters but that you know your average I, i'm starting out um the difference between him and a, and a large pizza the difference is the large pizza can feed a family of four <laughs> and the recording guy can <laughs> well and not to be you know Basically, we're in the construction industry, yes, and the true. construction industry is a struggle. And it doesn't matter if you're retrofitting, you know, a room, you know, doing a refurb, whatnot, an upgrade. It's still all construction based. I mean, we, yes. we run into this day in and day out, whether yeah. it be the wrong back boxes got put in, or you know, uh, oh, you have to cut a hole in a you know, marble That's conference room true. table. We don't cut that. That's furniture people, right? right or right, or right, millwork exactly. people. That's a critical part, I think, of the bait and switch, right? Is they leave out that 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 one little huge fact is that you're not so much in AV like you think you are. You're in the construction business. Yeah, right. And I think a lot of people are in denial about that. Sure. You know, because you know their ego does it like, no, 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 I'm in AV. Everyone's like, no, nah, you're in construction, motherfucker. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's, that's there's the a division. We'll beat that out later. It's like in <laughs> case you're considering sponsoring us. Well, sorry. <laughs> 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 this podcast like, may not be suitable for all audiences. That's very true. You know, that's very true. And I think yeah, probably we have to do the disclaimer again, Michelle. I know, I know. Our, our thoughts are, are purely our own, and and yeah, they could be way off base. What do we know? That's we're true. just we're right. just folks. So if we insult you, uh, well, too bad. We didn't intend to it, but it is our opinions, just and nobody a, else's. Just one of those happy hours. coincidences, you know. We're not trying to. It just worked out but if way. it works out that way, then we're all the more happy for it. That's right. 
We're all about alienating people and not acquiring any more listeners. How to alienate people and make friends with nobody. <laughs> glad, glad we're not jaded. But yeah, there's definitely a bait and switch. I think uh, for me, I came in on the sales side of the equation because I have zero other AV right. skills absent of that. Um, and I think my background was okay, but I, the longer I've been in the pro AV sales side, uh, I've noticed in my mind there's three categories of salespeople. I would say there's the exceptional salespeople. That's about 10%. And um, a few of them uh, actually started in engineering, but they have the personality to be client-facing, and and they're good listeners, right? And they love problem-solving. I would think there's probably the the middle 40% is uh, well-intentioned. Um, has a general clue, but may or may not 100% get it. Right. And then the other bottom 15%, it's like, um, wh- why are you in our industry? Why, why are you yeah. doing this job? Because, I think that's an extremely accurate breakdown. Well, they think they're <laughs> yeah, trying to sell something to somebody. And what we're once. doing is not selling something to somebody. We're trying to solve a problem. So, right. you know, yeah, the yeah, 100-piece Plantronics headset order is great if you happen to have a UC yes. division. Uh, but that's not really your bread and butter. That's really not yep. where the rubber meets the road. That's not what you're trying to accomplish, Agreed. right? It seems like that group that you're describing, the that 40%, and a, and, a, and a pretty good chunk of that middle section, the, the well-intentioned guys, um, are, are exceptionally good at, um, if they're really good at being a salesperson, are really good at getting a one-time client. You know, that they, they were able to close a deal. They sold a bunch of stuff. Yeah. But a second, the second that... Um, reality hits in the guy's starting to use that stuff that everything wrong about how that guy could didn't listen to what the use cases were or, or, or to bother to find out what the real use cases were um, right and that you know the that frustration kind of, comes out and that guy right. will never come back it actually you know in, in a little way it touches back to the subject of our last episode about preparation of jobs yes when you have a sub substandard uh salesperson mm-hmm. they don't pay attention they don't listen yeah. They manage to get that one big client, and then they try to milk that and ride that like a wave, like a surfer, you know. And then when that one dries up, just for natural causes, all of a sudden it's like, wait, hang on. You know, you did right. $5 million last year. How come you're only doing 800000 this year? Or even they want to— Because wanna, they don't have the skills, really, to capture, you know, continually capture— They want to chase everything. They don't know how to vet everything. So they're just like the desperate girl, you know, looking for the prom date. It's like, oh, you want to dance? You want to dance? Oh, you want to go? And it's it's not about that. I think part of the process is saying, are we a good fit? Right. You know, if you don't have anybody with any kind of audio or, or acoustics background, should you be doing performance venues? Maybe not. Maybe that's right. better suited for people yeah. that have a specialty in that. Right. You know, that's maybe great. if you uh, don't have people that know how to operate a chain motor, you probably should not be hanging line arrays. Uh, yes, or, <laughs> or lifts, like anything. Yeah. I mean, seriously, you know, sure. it's a, but they're so desperate to get that sale, they right. won't even look. I, and, and I've people that are actually. I would say almost exceptional. I've seen them totally go off script. You know, you're working for uh, a dealer. That dealer says we are a regional, a national, a local, whatever player. We service enterprise clients. And the next thing you know, they're walking in the door and they're like, I've got a house of worship or there's this restaurant. And you're like, we're not doing fast casual. What are you talking about? That's not even digital signage. Uh, Right. And it's like, that brings back bad memories. My integration days, there was always at least, uh, you know, what, 40% of the sales force that were 
off in La La Land chasing the wrong kind of client base for the integrator that they currently worked at. Yeah. And maybe it worked at some other place. Maybe they were, maybe they worked in a really heavy K through 12 integrator or somewhere else, but then they would go to like AVISPL and chase elementary schools. And you're like, guy. That's just not their model. <laughs> That's yeah. not ever, ever going to be fruitful for you. Right. Well, and it's not that they couldn't do it. I mean, I sort of, but it's just a matter of knowing the right. nuances of all of those and, and looking at that model. Right. And That's not our strong point. That's not like a really big integrator. There's a certain amount of um, time and expense that it costs just to make that machine work. Yeah. And if you, you come in with these, uh, I had to be the absolute lowest bidder and we're going to make a small margin. You're just, you're not going to, you can do it if you just want to show that you have projects on the books and pat right. yourself on the back. But if you'd like to, I don't know, pay your mortgage, <laughs> yeah. you might want to not chase that, that segment if you yeah. work for a huge, you know, right. biggest integrator in the world kind of scenario. Yeah, you, you start off with an automatic high overhead. Yeah. yeah. You, you can't, you can't participate in the race to the bottom mm -hmm. which is mostly those you know those k through 12 type yes. projects and the the restaurants and yeah. they're like oh yeah i got a cousin can put in you know 45 50 inches right. in here and, and, and i don't mean to pick on that segment right. no there's, nothing wrong there's with a that. great business there, there are that. integrators out there that are absolutely that's that is their right market they yep. should right. be going for that but just right. you know 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 your audience kind of a thing exactly exactly yeah well, and, and to that, knowing your audience and, and, and having that work with the right, you know, segment. I, I've also noticed that um, there's a hard transition when you go from maybe a small integrator to going mm -hmm. to a large integrator. Because if you're with somebody that's a regional or a national and you've maybe worked for an independent, family-owned, yeah. in, individually-owned, right. you're... You're probably not used to capturing all of the cost associated with with trying to acquire that client because there right. is a client acquisition cost. I know. I watch Shark Tank. All right. So right, these things are real. Doesn't matter what industry. And the cost of acquiring that client can be substantial. Absolutely. And, absolutely. and so that's something that they don't take into account either. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I've I've worked at one of the you know actually a couple of the top three biggest integrators in the country yes you have touche sir touche yeah and uh now i'm i'm currently at a at a smaller but a high volume mm -hmm. integrator and just what what's taken into consider into consideration when pursuing a client it's drastically different uh you know at the largest one that i worked at there was a whole you know a page full of things that you have to consider before you even start you know before you even add the first item to the bill of materials oh really so there's like a pre-qualification checklist almost pre yeah pre-qualification and not only that but uh That's like nice. this is it's like these are your your hard cost mm -hmm. before you even create this proposal yeah so right off the bat it's like am i going to invest eight hours ten yes. hours 40 hours to create this proposal for mm -hmm. a client that i have a, you know a 30 percent chance percent chance of getting uh -huh. or i have a higher 60 70 percent yeah so you got to take all that stuff into consideration whereas the smaller guys they're kind of they don't say no well because they don't want to alienate anyone they don't because alienate you never know when right. your next big opportunity is coming and that's what drives right. their growth right and the, sure the point is to take on more than you can chew because that that's that's your justification for hiring more folks and enlarging your right. office space that kind of thing now so. the key with that is to also adjust your machine you know, your yeah. operating machine, you know, everybody has their own machine and their own workflow. That, and yeah. at, at a certain point when you have a certain volume of sales and 
certain volume of proposals out there, you have to adjust your machine. You can't operate. You, you know, can't like operate the same way. The same way that you did company. when you had yep. 20 employees That's than exactly you do right. when you have 100 employees. That yeah. means you have enough business for 100 employees. You have to operate a little bit different than you do when you have 10. I, I've it's seen the same that a way lot. you operate differently than if you have 1,200 employees. Well, it's very philosophical because I know you and I, and I don't know if we've discussed it on the show, uh, different ways to approach the engineering portion, right? Correct. Some people have pre-sales engineers, and then some people have the post-sales slash commissioning engineers, and then others want you to do cradle to grave. And that seems to me like a very philosophical thing, right? It is. And it is. whatever camp you're in, you just completely believe that that's the way to do it. And you right. all, it's almost like being a Democrat or a Republican. Right. You refuse to believe that there's anything good on the other side. It both can work, but I've, I've found that the ones that the cradle to end kind of concept works best for the smaller. That's yeah. correct. It's okay. one of, you know, going back to kind of, you were kind of take, politicizing it a little bit. Sorry, I'm not bad. I'll there, no, that no, 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 that, that's actually quite right because, you know, they're. I'm not they're, trying to be Josie Mulroy. <laughs> what? Shout out. Hey, Josie. Where's my tamales? <laughs> anyway, um, there, there's a saying, uh, and it's fairly popular if, if you haven't heard it, is that when you're 20, if you're liberal, you're heartless. Or if you're not a liberal, you're heartless. Uh-huh. But by the time you're 40, if you're not a, if you're not a conservative, you're brainless. <laughs> nice. Never know. Know. And, and that really that really comes down to that. You can never really truly gauge what the multi-engineer workflow you have to gain by mm-hmm. having that until you experience that. And yeah. most of the people that, that do cradle to grave have never experienced that. Yeah. You know, it's when you go to that big company and you realize it's like, hey, you, why do we have a sales engineer? It's like, because that guy's... 30 projects in by the time the deal pops and you get a PO. Right. And he doesn't have time or, or the memory, which most people don't. Yes. To come back and say, oh, this is what's going on. You know, that's handed off to, you know, to a project engineer who can then work the project. Because mm-hmm. now, guess what? Now, now the engineering hours are billable. Yep. Now they're they're mm-hmm. you know they're taking a, against the project. No, but do you think they should also go back and claw back the original hours that were put? Uh, and, well, that that's up to, well? that's up to the sales engineer to capture that. Capture as part that. of the okay. sale. So it yeah. should be captured. It really so, should, yeah. yeah. So it's like I know, like for instance, having been a sales engineer, um, you you when you ca- you know when you tally up your engineering hours, you take into consideration say, hey, I'm going to spend thirty hours per, on this proposal if it's big enough, mm-hmm. you know, or I'm going to spend eight hours on this proposal or i'm going to spend three hours on this proposal um you take that into account you add it to your engineering hours but you know that if we get this project now the project engineer is probably going to have to spend you know 32 hours on it mm-hmm. to you know to t- deal with all the little you know what fell through the gaps you know this this item is no longer made uh, or sometimes uh, some or of whatever. the scope has changed as well. Exactly. Right. No. What, what they wanted 12 months ago when you right. quoted them and then they put it on the shelf and they've uh, yeah. dusted it I, off. I, I is think this it's still a, good? It's, it's a good exercise, too, for that project engineer or the salesperson, really. Mm-hmm. Or yeah, as an organization, maybe the project team gets together and you figure out how much how much of it is, though, um, already designed by the sales engineer and legitimately those hours really should be recouped. I mean, if it's Absolutely. just. You know, his time helping the, the salesperson, you know, make sense of a spreadsheet or something like that. Right. Maybe not. Maybe, maybe that's just clerical. Pro- but 
if there, there's some legitimate pre-design work done that's going to get used and now yeah. this guy that's right. the project engineer doesn't and have to do be. it. It should be because you have to be as accurate as possible yep. to not cost your company money. Right. So you don't want to say, hey, this project's going to, you know, as a design engineer, a pre-sales design engineer, you don't want to come in and say, hey, this project's going to cost $58,000 when in reality it's going to cost seventy-two. Do you think that the site survey and scope of work should be done by an engineer or Absolutely. should the... So the sales, you don't think it should be a it sales, sales be person? Not, well, if you have a sales engineer, a really good sales engineer, then yeah. maybe not. But if you're a traditional salesperson where he's there to really, you know, kind of build that relationship with a client, he's more relationship focused, uh -huh. and um, maybe trying to, to get the sales uh, or the, the client to understand the value in using that them them as the integrator, and he's more focused on the client, then you should have somebody who's there to only listen and like make notes about the technical uh, ramifications of what everybody's talking about. Right, absolutely, absolutely. It's 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 a <clears throat> the best way is to have the what I would call an account manager. Yes. And the name literally means that. Mm -hmm. You manage the account, you manage the client. And then you have the pre-sales engineer who's right there next to you. So and you have to have a great uh, relationship between the two. And that's what wins the projects. Because then the client goes, well, this is what I want it to do. And the sales guy goes, hey, engineer, what do you think about that? Or what's your input on that? And he, all, he, all the account manager's worried about is to make sure that that client's happy and smiling. Mm -hmm. The engineer guy's there to be the smarts. You know, he's the smart, yeah. this guy's the smile, and... Do they that, should they go out together? Should they is it good use that, of that time the for best. there to be four legged that's, sales calls? I think that's the best impression that you can give a client. Okay, is that you're you're, you're meeting, bringing resources you're bringing to the, the table? Team. Okay, you're bringing the team. You're bringing gotcha. not just yourself and the smile because it let's depends on it, it depends on what how deep though you are. It depends, at that yeah, point, well, it depends on what stage of the sale right. you're in. Right. Okay. Because if you're if if the salesperson is just meeting a client for the first time to qualify the sale to, yeah. to kind of get get the gist of what the client needs, fine. He can go by himself. It, he needs to be the better ones. Yeah. Get. Because that's a huge waste, man. If if you don't have a good salesperson that's good at qualifying the sale, now you've got this. You know, a design engineer that really ha his time is better spent being productive. Now he's sitting there while you talk about, you know. Your family's Fishing. golf and time, yeah. and you well, know, hey, we went RVing and last got, weekend. I'll You're be like, honest here. Ah, the biggest you... waste of time that I've ever seen, because I've sat in a lot of clients' offices yes, with a lot of account managers, the biggest mistake that I see where I cringe so hard is when the salesperson goes into their canned, this is the cool thing about our company. Yeah, I know. Response. Because honestly, you can, you, you can see the client's eyes just glaze over and say, yeah. blah, 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 shut up, shut up, whatever. Let's, let, let's talk about my system. I don't care. I don't care that you guys you yeah. know, donated eight, You're eight, already eight sitting right in front of them. Right. You're, you're, already, you're <laughs> yeah. already at the door. They haven't thrown you out yet. It's like, so. you're, you're already at the first date. You're sitting across from the girl. It's like, quit trying to sell yourself. Yes. Now tell us how we can help you. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. Um, and, and, I've, and I've seen, I've been lucky enough to follow a few people that i consider to be great account managers uh -huh. salespeople. yes yes through the process of when they kind of first started and started doing those things and then as they as they grow and that that kind of happens with the relationship with a pre-sales engineer and an account manager is that you have to kind of train your account managers to okay this is your part of the conversation this is not yeah when we're talking about this you shut up and you sit in your chair and listen um uh, 
and vice versa is like when we're when they're when this starts i'm gonna shut up you're not gonna hear from me mm -hmm. i'm gonna take notes what i do like is that i was trained that i was now i will to y'all's point um i did get a lot more credibility because when i started in av sales i was your traditional av idiot right i mean i didn't have any audiovisual experience uh, but i was trained to actually capture all the information for the scope of work right. and also write it and do the site survey and so it was good to have that and in many ways mm -hmm. i feel like that made me better only because it made me more technical because right. i was forced to learn what a video conferencing codec did and how it operated and right. things like that. Yeah. And so as a result, I was also able to kind of do some low-level type troubleshooting on things where I didn't necessarily have to burden my service department. If somebody's like, well, the video conferencing isn't working, I'm like, that's because your outsourced IT guy still doesn't have the ports opened on the firewall and he's pathologically lying to you. Thanks, let's get him on the phone, <laughs> right? But you learn that through trial and error and right. knowing that. But, uh, but I will say, especially when it comes to technical, mm -hmm. super technical stuff, yeah, uh, some trading company out of the UK was putting an office at the Houstonian and they wanted ticker tapes and they wanted 18 audio sources to go to 23 displays, blah, blah. And that was way over my head. Uh, and having the engineer there that actually did understand some of some of the paths that could be taken to approach the solution and what the, the price points were, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, because there's different, you know, yeah. monetary breakdowns and we all know we can des design a Cadillac or, or a Pinto, exactly and, right. and not everybody has yeah. that budget. Because right. nine, nine out of ten of them always go, why is it so expensive? Unless they're a seasoned AV buyer, right? right? And then right. they kind of already have that rough order of magnitude right. Right. in their heads. Right, and, th and I think that's the biggest tool, because a pre-sales engineer is a massive tool to an account manager. Because just, just the... Yeah, usually a pretty big tool. The resource... The mental resource, because, you know, that, that account manager, when they sit there and talking to the client, it's like, okay, we want to do, you know, three conference rooms. And then once he starts babbling off requirements, uh -huh. connection requirements, it's like, we need it to connect to this. We need it to connect. All of a sudden, the, the account manager's like, you know, it just went over his head. He has no clue. He doesn't realize that all of a sudden it's like, hey, you know, we got this, you know, this codec that requires Skype licensing. It's like, well... You know, it's a three thousand dollar license. Right, right. You know? <laughs> yeah. Times one hundred fifty. Right. right. Next, next, you know, it's like, well, you know, not we we want to have three cameras. It's like, well, you just went from the ten thousand dollar codec to the twenty five thousand dollar codec in order right. to accommodate that. And, sure. and so, so no, we can't do this room for twenty five thousand any longer. Right. Not with these requirements. What do you, you think know. is good training for salespeople to advance their skills just on a technical AV side? I mean, is it listening to their engineers, learning yeah, from them? Yeah, actually, pretty pretty much. Uh, yeah. Some of the better engineers or some of the better salespeople that I've dealt with actually ask me or the engineer a lot of questions. It's like, hey, why, you know, and this is kind of like a postmortem of the meeting. Mm -hmm. It's like, why did you recommend that? Why did you say that? Yeah. So and I've then that's how they learn. So they, like, that's oh, it's like, okay, now I know that, you know, the next time when these situations are brought up, I realize that they're more complicated than they sound up front. Yeah. And there's a lot more things to consider that may increase the price considerably, you know, whereas, you know, because it will get to the conversation where you're talking about budgets, it will affect that considerably. You know, it's right. the difference between having a $25,000 VTC room and a $60,000 VTC room. Right. And the budget conversation needs to happen way sooner than, than people realize. And there's there's tactful ways to do it. You don't have to get them 
to an exact number, but you can say, okay, so, so far what I understand is you want to do this, 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 this. We find that that's usually in this price range from blah, 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 blah. Is that about what you had in mind? Right. That's a yeah, really that quick, open-ended question way to say, is this going to be what you had is right. your expectation? Because if not, that that's your chance to find out before this poor right. guy. Basically, can you afford what you're wanting to do? That's yeah. with you. Your your right. sales engineer goes back and he designs a, designs a perfectly good solution for what the guy said he wanted. But he, who, who's not going to describe a Porsche right. when they're saying, sure. I want a car? Right. Yeah, exactly. So it, it's, it's a good time to find out, okay, so what you just described, I understand, is this. And I'm looking at in in the range of 150 to, you know, 200. Is that about what you had in mind? Oh God, no. We need to stay in the 50 range. Okay, good to know. Yeah, so in a, that range, you can you can expect this kind of functionality, and, yeah. but not this. Is that okay? Right. And that's 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 that client's chance to say right. no. It isn't. Let me go back to our um, committee and see if we can find more money. Because we have to have this functionality. But it's good to find out now before this guy's but that, back in the office designing all this stuff. Right. But this dude can't even afford. Right. And that, that's a great function when you have that tag team approach. Mm -hmm. Because the sales guy doesn't know this. Generally, he doesn't know the cost of... Uh, uh, he does, a, he doesn't know the equipment required to, to produce. Now, the exceptional, the, the top 10% the, the exceptional. More of them, yeah, those, yes. those guys do. But the and remaining 90%, there's always right. room for but improvement. But that's the difference between... The average and the exceptional. Right. Is that the exceptionals are basically, could almost qualify as an engineer on their own. Absolutely. And But the middle guys need that information because they're growing, or the ones that want to grow to that point and become mm -hmm. exceptional and make the big bucks. Because guess what? If you look at the exceptional sales guys, they're double tripling what oh, the yeah. average guys are. Uh, oh, yeah. Sometimes Easily, three as times. As far as their salary. It's, so, agreed. It's and, and the difference is really listening to your engineers. Do you think that the engineers should get some type of uh, cut? Yes, or I no. do, but it's, it's very rare that you see it happen. I know. They, they, I see it get promised do. a lot. Oh yeah. <laughs> hey, lip service is free. So. Yes, exactly. <laughs> for for about two years. <laughs> well, <laughs> and then they're gone, and you Not wonder bitter. why. Not bitter. No. <laughs> well, actually, you know, I, I did work under that uh, where there was an incentive for an engineer as well. If you were part oh, of the nice. project, you got an incentive. Mm -hmm. Oh, I good. That did that motivate you? It actually did not me because of the kind of person I am. Yeah. I'm going to do the design. The best way, no matter Regardless. What. Sure. Regardless. It's like, you know, I'm happy with my base, whatever. But it was nice. It's like every quarter is like, oh, oh cool. There, I'm there, with there, you. you know, there's a couple grand in my, Sh and the, uh, that I wasn't life. even expecting. Yeah. I'm yeah, with yeah. you. In fact, for me, it was more of it, it, it to a detriment because it was a promise that that never really fully got fulfilled the way it was sold to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you took somebody who was already not motivated monetarily anyway. They just wanted to help out and make the customer as happy as possible. So you took that guy, put this crazy carrot in front of his nose that he's probably never going to get, and he's an engineering mind. Uh -huh. He's thinking, if I do X, I get Y. Yeah. And then that day comes, and that doesn't happen. Now he's demotivated. You took somebody yeah. who was completely fine right. and was motivated to help out a client because he, that's my job. Because that's the right thing Until my checks do, yeah. start bouncing, <laughs> I'm going to do this every day. And now you've promised him something. And it doesn't happen. And you promise yeah, him something yeah, and it doesn't happen right. again. And before you know it, this guy's like, you know what? Screw this place. I'm out of here. He would have been fine. Yeah. If you just left him alone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's those false promises. And, and because the engineering mind doesn't really, the guys that are typically engineers, they don't work in the same mentality as the sales guys. Right. Sales guys live on percentage of sliding scale of blah, 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 gross margin, blah, blah, blah. Engineers couldn't give a rat's ass about any of that. Yeah. Like like David said, it's like they're used to X equals Y, you know, 
Whatever. If this, then that. Yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah. Very clearly in statement black for this white. project is. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so they're like, well, hang on a second. You know, it's like my project sold, you know, you know, I sold, you know, $4 million last year. How come I didn't get a single bit mm-hmm. of bonus or anything? It was like, well, because your sales guy sold it for a, I know. <laughs> a 4% profit. <laughs> so sorry. So, but they don't is realize that too that. low? Is four points too low? <laughs> I, I remember being sat down in an office and being told by a supervisor, Hey, we're looking at your numbers. You've you've done great. All your projects have come through. Um, so we've worked it out. You're going to be getting a bonus of five thousand dollars. Don't tell anybody. This is really good. This is for you. I never saw a dime of that money. Really? No, nothing. Oh. And yeah, I, I think... wasn't very long, and I wasn't there any longer. Right. But that's exactly what I'm saying. That and that's not unique to me. This is happening. Yeah, yeah. Throughout the industry, that's, that's common. Unfortunately, like the the integrator I worked at, where I did get bonuses. Uh-huh. I was also in a meeting once a month, once a month, going, "Hey, you know your numbers. You're not." And I'm like, "I have zero to do with how much business we bring in. Right. I have everything to do whether we capture it. Yeah. But I have yeah. zero to do with how much is put in front Let's of me. Let's look at my closing with. rate. Exactly. Right. What percentage of what was right, brought exactly. to Which me? Right. Exactly. Which kind of like it's like, well, hang on. Say, unless I'm a salesperson, I have no say so in how many clients I bring in or mm-hmm. how many opportunities mm-hmm. we look at." Good you point. Know, but yeah, but look at the numbers being, of like right. hey, I went with the sales guy and we closed eighty percent of those. That might be a really relevant number for you guys to look at. Right, exactly. It's like, <laughs> you know, you're kinda of looking at the wrong things and you know, but that's something that happens when the organization is so big. Yeah. That you got you know, you got people reporting to people who report to people who report to people, blah blah blah. And literally in that particular situation, I spent, I'm going to say about six hours, six to six to eight hours of my week in meetings mm-hmm. about businesses and about reporting what's going on yeah. to whatever level or tier of management. Meetings to talk about meetings. Well, that's and right. I also see a, a lot of room for improvement under the sales leadership mm-hmm. category. Because a, a lot of, uh, well, because a lot of great salespeople do, are not necessarily great leaders, and a lot of great leaders aren't necessarily great salespeople. Right, and so, yeah, you know, that that's a, a very crucial, and I don't understand. I mean, I've seen some people really just flail like a little fish out of water, you mm-hmm. know, on the dock, and I'm wondering, why do they get to keep their job? You know, if you're not good at it, like, oh, maybe this industry isn't good for you because it's, you know, audiovisual and it's very, it's active components, it's very technical, it's a solution sale, there's construction involved, maybe you need to go sell widgets, right? But it takes a long time for people to cut people, and I I don't understand that mentality. I think a large part of that is that, you know, we're human, and people always like to give people a second chance. The benefit of the doubt. The other thing too is what's well, expensive to onboard somebody ex- too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so that, once that, they've got the bigger them, the company, especially. Yeah, right. so they already have that investment. We invested a and certain that, amount of money into getting this guy even sitting at a desk right now. And actually, it's, it's expensive to let somebody go. Yeah. Yeah. Without cost. So it's easier just to bully them and drive them off so they leave on their own. No, so, I'm kidding. No, exactly. I wonder sometimes if there's a guilt factor. They know damn well they have no real process in place to course correct. Oh, like, oh I see. I, I failed as a manager because I didn't notice that you were doing X and I didn't have a meeting with you and say, hey, don't do that, but let me help you. Yeah. Instead of that, let's do this. And they know darn well they're not doing that. 
Right. And so there's a certain amount of, well, I didn't help him, but I'll give him another three months. Now, now you just compounded sure. a bad thing. You threw more money, you know, bad money after good kind of a thing. I don't know. I think a salesperson yeah. should pay for themselves within the first 12, well, 6 to 18 months, depending upon the caliber of I person. I agree with that. I think, that's a, I think that's a fair requirement. Because exceptional salespeople, even if they're under... Uh, even if they're under non-compete, yeah. which usually they've figured out some type of workaround somehow or whatnot, right. um, they'll pay for themselves very quickly, right? right? You, you know, they usually come with a book of business if those clients have budgets, if their industry is healthy and strong, whatever vertical they're in. Right. And their reputation, because a lot, a lot of that is their reputation. Well, yeah. ultimately, the client's doing the salesperson is the company to the client. Exactly. They're not talking yes. to their You're salesperson's correct. bosses, bosses, yeah, boss. Exactly. They don't know the guy back at corporate in some other city, not Houston. Actually, pointing back to that as the point that you made, it, that's also when people are used to saying, "Well, you know, Joe Blow showed up with his engineer and landed his job because I was able to get my technical answers on that meeting." <laughs> And, That's nice. You know, Clients do like to have do, real time. Not, you know, they they appreciate you being honest as a salesperson, but they don't uh, give you as much respect if you don't right. have the answer right away. And it might not yeah. even be a conscious right. thing; it's a subliminal thing. Like, yeah. oh, look, Susie doesn't know the answer, or you know, right. yeah, Barry didn't they have don't the care answer. That this guy probably shouldn't have known the answer. He right. was doing his job. He asked the question. He yeah. said, I'll find out. And he, that's great. He doesn't have a degree right. in but acoustics. I found out right then. <laughs> right, exactly. And, and I, I've actually gotten that feedback from clients that oh, yeah? we eventually won. Where they're like, what really impressed me is that you guys showed up with your engineer. Uh-huh. And you were able literally to educate me as the client of what it took. Because I spoke to other vent, you know, a couple of other vendors before you guys showed up. Uh-huh. And they were just throwing numbers at me. Well, and they were just throwing stuff at me. And, you know, you guys were the first people that showed up and actually educated me about what I really truly needed to be able to solve my problem. Right. Well, and it's interesting. That's a big one. Because I know uh, probably 95% of the proposals that I've seen go back to the salesperson that is already at the meeting with the engineer and they just mm -hmm. want to keep selling the company. Mm -hmm. And their proposals reflect the exact same thing. Because what's always the first section? This is us. Blar, blar, oh, blar. We were yeah. founded in this. And blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I hate and, that. I hate that so bad. It, guess what? It, you're, you've been invited to give this, you know, to give your your solution, right? You don't need to justify. If you want to include you that information, earned that right yet? I think it should be the opinion. last tab. I, you, I agree, right? Yeah, I haven't it's, earned it, it yet. isn't about us as the integrators; it's about the exactly. client I'm, and their I'll solution. I'll dumb it down for somebody who's listening to this who maybe isn't involved in this aspect of AV. You have at least gone to YouTube channels and you like to watch stuff. It's like it's like the YouTube channels that you click on it. Oh, that sounds really interesting. The guy comes on and talks for the first 10 minutes about how go to go to the subscribe button and click on that and mash the um, you know, notifications button and blah, blah, blah. And you're like, I don't know who the fudge you are. I don't even know if I like this video. <laughs> you spent right. the first 10 minutes telling me how to subscribe to you. And I don't even know if I like this yet. Yeah, and that's a pet peeve of mine. It's, you haven't time. earned the right to do that yet. I've been to car dealerships where you right. get on the lot, you walk off. Hey, let's go inside and get your information. I'm like, you haven't earned that. Yeah, I'm not giving it you up. You haven't earned any of this yet. You need to build some rapport. To show right. me around. Make me interested in your product. Make me interested in working with you. And then you earn the right to ask me for that information. But uh -huh. you don't get to skip. You know, it, it, so it, I think you're right. The, the, I hate when the, the very first tab or the very first point of your conversation is, you know, let's talk about me and why you should do business with me. They don't care yet. Right. Exactly. Make them give a shit well, why you are who you are and you can do what you do. 
Exactly. Because yeah. what's go, gonna happen is if you're asking them questions and you're actually engaging them, it's gonna become really obvious why you're the peer person to work with. Well that 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 kinda goes back to my point is that once the client realizes that, hey, you actually thought about this, mm-hmm. you put some thought into it. We're not just another next, you know, where you yeah. clicking on a button going, now serving number thirty six yes. thing. When you, you put some thought in about it, you thought about, about my questions, my phone call, and you thought enough to bring your engineer with you mm-hmm. so we can actually get some solutions started, mm-hmm. you know, so we can have, you know, firsthand um, knowledge from, to your engineer about my needs. It's about a Those purposeful people, interaction. Right, exactly, exactly. If I exactly. go to a restaurant, I don't want to hear the history of Pappas. I just want to know what the specials are, right. and are you going to get my drink order and at, see if I want an appetizer? Exactly. Right? Yeah. Here's, here's option A. You sit down. The waiter comes up and says, oh, "What you like today? I want a poncho train." Okay, great. We also have a version with crab sauce on, or crab meat on top, and blah blah blah. Would you? Are you interested in that? Uh, yeah, I hadn't thought about that. Sure. Exactly, or he yeah. walks up and says, hi, we're Papa's. You should be here because we've been in business for 25 years and we have fresh seafood. You're like, fuck? I'm already here. Right? <laughs> exactly. So it's like kind of the same you're, thing. Like, he's like, you don't have to give me the door busters now since I'm inside the building. <laughs> yeah. And it works too. And another aspect too is the, the person who engages them enough to say, hey, okay, so you, you want to be able to make audio calls in here and you're already presenting. Would it help to have, I don't know, a camera on the display that maybe you can plug in your laptop USB and now you can do web conferences using the camera in the room and the audio in the room? Would that be helpful? Oh, crap, I hadn't thought about that. Exactly. That's yeah, a cheap, that that's a cheap yeah. piece of gear. It costs almost nothing to engineer it into the project, but you've just bought this guy a huge piece of functionality that he hadn't even thought of. And now he's a part of your pro- you're, you're, you're working together. Well, there's the values. Yeah. That's, and so it that's makes it harder for the next integrator. When they show up, or the designer, it could be right, Exactly. They show up and they're like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And they're like, that guy didn't ask me anything. Right, exactly. He didn't ask me anything. And the other guy brought out all these points of things I could be doing that are low-lying fruit. They're minimal investment, but they have a huge benefit factor. Right. Uh, and that's actually, you know, actually I'm going to put a little twist into this one. Uh, we deal where I'm at now. We currently deal with a lot of RFPs. Okay. And we've been winning quite a bit of them lately. Mm-hmm. And a few of them that I've been involved in, I realized the RFI responses are ninety percent my questions. Mm-hmm. So you actually are doing thoughtful bid response. Yeah, exactly. And hmm. and that's the ones we're winning though. <laughs> it's like they're big, big responses. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like, well, hang on a. How come I'm the only one that asked this question? Uh-huh. It's like, really, it's like you have to be literally blind or not read the RFP whatsoever. <laughs> you know, because you couldn't make that room work unless yeah. you asked, unless you knew the answer to this RFI question. You couldn't make it work. It's impossible, literally. You know? And uh, this past week, I got a, an RFI. 95% of the questions were... You're like, me, me, me. It's like, because they're, li- they're literally worded... In the way I sent them in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're just but copy that, and paste. But that was the general RFI We're not response for, for the on. project. You know, and this, these are big. This is a half million dollar project. Nice. Well, as a, as a consultant, we do that. We will copy, literally copy and paste your right. Yeah, right. No, no, no. And that that's expected. That's the norm. Yeah. That's the norm. That's the norm. But when or you see, have their when, they, when they do see, it, right? You know, I, I've been in some projects where I've seen. You know, it's like okay, you asked ten questions, but there were thirty-five answered. 
you know, that means that other integrators were, you know, oh, actively you're saying involved. You, your questions are, are the only ones on there? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's like, the RFI response for these proposals is like... I've had some like It's like, that. How, am I the only one where asking questions? I have questions? one integrator. And that works plus or minus. I've had some where there's only one integrator asking questions, and they're pretty dumb questions. <laughs> right. But for the most part... If it's somebody who's just asking good questions, that, that's a good sign. Right. I mean, honestly, I like, two to, I like to think that my questions are fairly thoughtful thoughtful, yeah. and technically necessary. Some so. don't ask questions on purpose, though, Jerry, and that's the problem. Some that's of them, true. they're that's like, true. oh, there, there's a change order opportunity. Uh, like, don't ask because later on we'll say, hey, you didn't have this in there. A desire to obfuscate. And, and, you know, and, and, and a lot of times that's to their detriment because the integrator, Absolutely. I mean, the, the consultant's immediately going to go, well, so you were supposed to bid on design intent. Exactly. So and now you get that, to buy that for the that, client. That's for where that's that's the point I was making. Yeah. Recently, we won several projects based on the fact that we were the ones asking the most questions yeah. and the most relevant questions. That's good. You know, instilling faith. That, right. Exactly. And, and and that's a perfect term, instilling faith. You know, I think everything I've talked about today has been about instilling faith in the customer that you're the right person to help them out. To well, solve because their problem. it's hard to know the right team, Jerry. There's no right team. <laughs> I didn't say I. But no, it, because it is hard to know. And I've had I've had other consultants um, absent of the person sitting to my left, uh, as well as end users go. Well, what do you think of ABC Integrator? And I'm like, you know, if that could. That changes very yeah. wildly from Ask me next month day to day, quarter to quarter, team leads, project managers. Uh, you know, yeah, absolutely. It, yeah. it, so that it, it gets hard. And I, if I was an end user, I would probably suffer from uh, paralysis, right? Because right. I'd just be like, "Yeah, I don't know. I remember when they failed on this project, yep, and what if right. that happens to me? Or you know, or oh, but they were so good. But this is what went wrong. And if they right. had, you know, like you just, yeah. you oh, know, yeah. we have tons of projects that we're not allowed to include certain integrations. Really? Oh yeah. Is that from the Absolutely. end user oh, yeah. or the GC or oh, both? Yeah. From no, no GC. We don't. GC doesn't get involved. No offense, GCs. We don't care what you think. <laughs> but as an integrator, as an <laughs> integrator, a large, no, no. we do, we care. You care. Yeah, a large part of the responses we do is is directly to the GCs because a lot of times their AV is included and they're part of the GC product. Yeah. So the products. You know the the GC is in, is liable for the AV. But I'm just curious if the GC has ever blackballed people yes. or absolutely or, or yes they have non non whitelisted. I've that never nice had one flat out offer that opinion, but I've had some. If the client, the, if the owner asks the yeah. GC, hey, what, what, you know, we're, we can't decide between these two. We're leaning towards you know yeah. company W. But there's also company A. Have you had better or worse experience with one or the other? I've had a GC weigh in on their on their personal experience. Yes. And that's yeah. okay. But well, I've never and the had same one specifically with saying, the, no, I can't with, work with those guys. Uh, like customer tenant representing uh, project management firms like a yeah. Jones, Lang, LaSalle, and mm -hmm. others like that. Those guys, because they are responsible for representing the client. Exactly. Oh, yeah. they have very strong opinions oh, yes. based oh, on their yeah. past experiences. And yeah. it, it can haunt you for a mm -hmm. long time. Yeah. You know, it, And GCs, too. They, they have their list of like, we won't deal with so-and-so. It's and, that elephant know. memory. Like, they but, never but that, forget. That, that's, that's a lot further downstream than what dave's talking about sure you know because at that yeah. point because a lot of times like a project that dave might be working on is actually not it's bitted out to the gc who got the project not necessarily the end user where he's dealing with the end user who's given the gc the specs right and then the gc is saying hey yeah it out for bid yeah i'm yeah. speaking I'm, only of 
right, from that part owner of the at a real high level yeah. owner saying, oh, right. we won't work with company A. Right, exactly. And they, they that filters down to the GC. Yeah, okay, GCs well, we know we can't say, yes, use sir. company A or B, <laughs> yeah. yes. so we're going to send it out to C, D, and E. Yep. And the GC themselves could say, he's like, we're going to send it out really to C and E. We'll let D, uh-huh. you know, just to have the third. And But we really favor. You know, these two are good. They'll do it. Do you think it's better to only have three, or is it the more the merrier? Well, no, three is the minimal. Okay. Most purchasing departments require three. Yes. Okay. And that's just the technicality of purchasing departments. So what's optimal? Is there an optimal number? I mean, four to five. Four to five is healthy. Depends on the size of the project, obviously. But I mean, usually. But yeah, yeah. Let's say half a million plus. Good to have four to five. Yeah, four four or five. Absolutely, absolutely, because it could swing drastically, and and that and that price range is a big enough project that. Literally, the translation between a consultant spec and uh-huh. the actual RFP is massive. Sure, massive. Unless the G, unless I've never the had that experience, uh, unless the consultant was really designed hired, and this comes back to where consultants are hired for different levels of yes. assistance in a project. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Sometimes they're just you know. Yeah, we did touch on this last time. That's yeah, true. Sometimes they are folks listening. Some <laughs> consultants are really just hired to provide a design intent narrative. Yeah. Right. So, so I, I know it sucks. They didn't give you drawings, right? Exactly, and a lot. They, they and, and then the wish in one hand. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. And that—that's that, where you come up with where you have variant, really big variance in responses because you're gonna have some companies that read that and interpret it one way. Some other right. companies that read you that know, same thing and interpret it in a very different way. Agreed. You know, I've I've only ever worked for the consulting firms that that don't do that. We, right. we won't take projects like that. Hey, give us a design narrative. That's all. We won't do it. Yeah. I know because we just turned down one that was like that. Yeah. A big project too. Did like, you want it? Was it a good end user? We wanted the pro- We wanted the project. We wanted. We wanted it. We liked the the end user. We thought it would been a good, a really good match. But at the end of the day, they had this budget constraint where all we can really afford is um, is this design intent, and we had to say, I appreciate that you think that, but you're gonna find that you you spend. The delta between your lowest oh, bid yeah. and us, and then some. Whenever all these integrators come back with RFIs and there's Change stuff missing, and and, and then there's nobody riding herd on it, so the integrator that wins can do whatever the hell they want on that CEO, and you don't know. Yeehaw. You don't know that you don't need a 16 by 16 switch for your huddle room. <laughs> I'm exaggerating. <laughs> Obviously, you guys listening, you would Although, never do that. If you're using a 16 true. by 16 switch, you are retarded. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, yeah. exaggerating to make a to make a point and for right. comedic value, but that kind of stuff. There's nobody to write a herd on that and say, mm, you could do this a little cheaper if you did, or more efficiently if you did this. Yeah. There's nobody to do that. I'm just curious. Are we going to have to get um, Williams a, a lapel mic? Because he likes no, to no, bob and weave. I've yeah, noticed he, he keep adjusting. <laughs> his well, hopefully you have compression. Yeah, we're gonna have to move around a little bit. I, I do have an MK2 laying around somewhere. We can clip it to his hat. Uh, <laughs> his, the bill on his hat. <laughs> All right. Anyway. I try not to move around so much. All right. So actually, impression on me. Hopefully, I am going to have to put a little slowdown on the show as we're getting towards the end, and we're going to talk about the near the next AV tools. Uh, yes, AV tool talk. talk. AV tool talk. It's that and time. It's that time, and um, I'm going to go ahead and bring that one up. Okay. And just my recent experience at one of the, my favorite tools right now. It's a uh, company called Jet Built. Jetbuilt.com. Nice. And they are a proposal. Uh, it's not necessarily software, but a service where it's in the cloud. Okay. And 
you buy seats. Uh-huh. They're they're priced either monthly or yearly. And the nice thing about it is it's a complete proposal tool where you can create your your entire proposal from uh, from scope of work to uh, build materials. And once you work with them, uh, they will populate their their database uh-huh. of equipment based on your requirements and based on who you are dealers for. Oh, okay. So anytime you look up an item and you want to add it to your bill of materials, it already automatically populates saying, you know, you, hey, you know, you, you have a crest run, blah, blah, blah. It costs you this much. And you can kind of create your own rules to that, pro- that product. So you can say that, okay, I'm going to sell this product for this much. Uh-huh. I'm going to tie this many engineering hours to that product. I'm going to okay. tie this many install hours to that product or minutes. Uh, this much programming time for to this product and uh, you know as well as project management and you can create all kinds of neat little scenarios where um, you can cre- you can say you know it's like hey three percent of the equipment cost is going to be for shipping how 6% do you come of- up with that I mean just absent of general experience right rule of thumb I mean, do you do you put together a project and then reverse engineer to come up with a per component cost, or is it just the main components? Or you it's see your choice. With that? It, it's, okay. Yeah, you can you can do it either way. Uh, you can it's um, you can choose to use the tool however you want to. Mm-hmm. Uh, generally, uh, you can create factors like you can say four and a half percent of overall labor cost is going to go to PM. Okay. And you can create that factor, and it'll automatically apply it to the hmm. project. Does it have default values put in there, no. or is everything at zero? Every, and then every, you determine. You, there is some stuff that comes comes up, but it's just random. Yeah. Uh, and it really comes up to you creating it how you want to work, and uh-huh. you create also like you know your your front page. Uh huh. This is my front page. You create the graphics, blah 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 blah, and it, you also have the dynamic text where you can say you know when you enter the project you. You enter, you know, project, you know, you can net, even the numbering of your projects is totally dynamic. So you can go, uh, this is project, you know, tw- 2018-001. Okay. And my client's going to be, you know, gas station A or whatever. Yeah. Right. Whatever it can be. And then you go, okay, here's our address. Here's here's the main contact for that, blah, blah, blah. So this is all dynamic text that links back to when you create your final proposal. Nice. So, uh, and then you can create the... Uh, different versions of proposals so you can say i want to use this page i want to use this page you know like a front page i want to use a a disclaimer page Uh i want to use a you know my product page and then the final you know uh sign off page litmus litmus test um Mm -hmm. is it better than an excel spreadsheet absolutely (laughs) and how i'm just curious in your history to be fair what if you were working on that Excel spreadsheet for I don't know ten years. <laughs> would that be valid? Would, would it still be how better? Many, but between the two, y'all, how many different <laughs> software platforms or methodologies have you worked with? Because y'all have both been in the industry, I don't know, about twenty years each, so plus. So uh, I'm gonna say one, five, six, five to eight. Okay. Five to eight. This this is literally the best platform I've seen. Interesting. Yeah. All right, that's good. So even, they should even have them work for two of the top three. AV integrators, uh-huh. it blows their stuff away. Interesting, or what they had at the time you worked for them, because yeah, well, yeah, exactly. They it's been a few years. By now. Yeah, I'm sure they're involved, but those big companies, they they have a growing product. So in other words, they gave birth to their software uh-huh. and their their proposal tools, and they've grown custom over yeah. the years. 
this particular solution kind of it's, it, it's relatively new nice and it's almost like they kind of made a study of several people's stuff and uh -huh. said let's put it all together in one I and like they did that. and it's it's it, it i mean right now does it tie into or can it tie mm -hmm. into the the companies or i guess any companies um like invoicing um yes equipment okay Absolutely. so they can they can they're, they're, shoot that right I, into I, I couldn't quote exactly what they're they can type but i know they can type to like quickbooks pro and those kind of yeah sage mm -hmm. okay well, you know you so they can that's, type, a, that's a big deal right there yeah so they can they they literally can take a project from and part of it is it of when you create a project you start off at uh like just the start of the project it's not even a proposal stage yeah stage you know and then you can take it to the proposal stage and then All you right. can tell it Take, and and what every time you take it to a different stage, it opens up different possibilities. Nice. So there's stuff that you can do to the the project before it becomes an actual real project, when it's just still in proposal stage. Right. I like that. And I'm, I'm at and their then, website, jetbuilt.com. It does look like they offer some free trials. They do. They do. It's, it's worth a try if you guys can. Is it AV specific or no? It's you, not. Okay. It's 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 it kind of sort of grew from the AV cabling and security. Okay, that's nice. So, Interesting. They're is, low voltage folks. They speak our language. Right. They, you know, so and they get it. A, a, a real cool thing that we found out where I'm at right now is that you can do uh, what they call bundles. So, for instance, you know, if it, for the cabling folks this. where, you know, one drop is not, you know, they want to sell by the drop. Yeah. Well, each drop consists of, you know, a wall plate, a keystone, you know, insert wow. a jack. You know what I'm. You know where I'm going with this. Do you guys already do room types? Yeah, because that that's what I would be doing. Yeah, well, that's what it can. Huddle it, room, you know, a huddle room B dash. Anything whatever. you create like a bundle, you can you can literally specify however many products God. are in this one bundle, and that's, that's a what that that's turns beautiful. it into one single line item. Yeah, that's beautiful. So you you know for the cabling guys, which our our, our company we do security, uh, cabling, AV, and that kind of stuff. Um, they, they they have their own workflow, and it works different than the AV yes, guys, they but do. it can all come together. And the beautiful is that everybody can work on the same proposal simultaneously. Oh, uh, okay. So I if like we get it. an RFP yeah. that's for cabling, security, cameras, nice. and AV, it can be a single proposal, and everybody's building it, it within their own different workflow, how they like to work. Nice. nice. I like it. What's cool about it is that you're building your scope of work on the same page that you're building that room. So if you're, say you're doing room 101, boom, you're also creating a scope for room 101 on the same page as right. you're building the bill of materials for room 101. Nice. nice. And just so you know, guys listening, we don't get paid by JetBuilt Jet or anybody. Just not we now. Talk about on the show. So. <laughs> not yet. Yeah. We're trying, but they're not paying us anything yet. <laughs> right. Uh, well, anyways, uh, yeah. So that's a, it's a great tool for everybody to check out. I think uh, it'll be worth worth a look for everybody. Oh, I awesome. mean, I know I know in my particular situation, it's helped out considerably. So. Well, I'm looking awesome. forward to learning more about that, especially as you continue to work in that. And uh, we will have these type of nice little tool talk recommendations uh, right. every episode because we think that's important. Are, are we? Do we have? Are we feeling any other recommendations while we're wrapping it up? Because we're we're getting to that witching hour. No? No other recommendations? No. Not for this episode. But it is. <laughs> I to drag is, this out. That's right. But it is time for <laughs> the reference song of the episode. Reference and song. Oh, that's a new feature we have on the show. Feature. That will let you know that we are wrapping it up. Yeah. Uh, we're going to recommend one audio song uh, just as a reference for good, high-quality audio 
reference song. And we haven't talked first, so we don't don't know what the song's going to be. Right. One, two, two. Who's going to go? David, three. Oh man, me. Um, yeah. Reference song. God, oh, just one song. That's tough. Well, it's gonna grow. How about, so um, how about it'll, it'll Fleetwood Mac? Rumors, the album. Rumors. Such the entire good, album. Yeah, just just put the whole thing on. Oh yeah, yeah. I just I would have totally agree with that. That's a, that's a great album. Awesome. All the songs are they're recorded God. extremely high quality. Yeah. With really great songwriting melodies, the whole bit. It's just an ideal reference album. Nice. I, I saw them live in concert at the summit. I won't say what year that was, but Man. they were good. Actually, they were the opening act for Toyota Center. Wow. Oh, were they? And I was up in the control room watching oh, them. Nice. Yeah. You know they're they're Buckinghamless now. Are they? Now? Yeah, they fired him. Wow. Yeah, that's a big one. They replaced him with God. What's the guy's name? Who cares? It Who matter. cares? <laughs> like <laughs> it really matters. Buckingham. Then we, we're not matter. sharing that with anyone. Yeah. <laughs> it ain't Peter it's Green. Like so. Buckingham. <laughs> Some Johnny Gum lately. <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, thanks again for listening to our show. And uh, if you, well, if you like us, give us a, a like. Share it with your friends. If you don't, share it with your enemies. <laughs> <laughs> no, no matter what, though, we do encourage you guys to please go to our Facebook page. That's mostly AV. If you search that on Facebook, you'll, it'll come right up, and uh, give us some feedback. You know, just let yeah, us let us know what what you like, what what you wish we did more of. Um, anything like that is helpful. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Awesome. Y'all have All a right. wonderful week. All right. Take care. Bye bye.